So um, if you have your Bibles, turn them to Romans chapter 8 and Genesis chapter 50. You know, so turn where to one, bookmark the other. <clears throat> Those are a couple of the passages we're going to look at this morning. Um, how much... VBS was so much fun. As you guys are turning there, my, my quick two cents on it. I dressed up as a dragon one day. It was a lot of fun. Of course, um, when I decided, when we found out we were going to have dress-up day at VBS, immediately I was like, I'm going to get a dragon costume. This is going to be awesome. I did not expect it to be 94 degrees outside in the sun in a dragon costume. But I have no regrets. It was tons of fun. What a great week it was. I got to lead the fourth and fifth grade crew, and I had a Daisy as my co-leader, and we had a blast leading those kids. It was so fun. If you weren't able to be a part of BBS this year, um, I hope that you get to be a part of it next year. It was great. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in the kids' lives that were here this year and going down the road. It was a lot of fun, and I hope nobody, nobody misses out if you want to be a part of it. <clears throat> so this week, we're going to continue in our series, uh, The Promises of God. And we've been calling it Sweet Like Honey, because honey is sweet. Honey is the only thing that never, food item that never goes bad or gets old or rotten. And the word of God is the same way. It is sweet. It never goes bad. It's for all time. And we've looked at a couple, couple different things. We talked about God's promises to give us rest. And last week, we talked about God's promise of grace. And praise God, we live by grace that we have the grace of God because we'd be doomed without it, right? Well, th this week, we're going to look at an, another, another promise of God that we'll read about here. But before I, I do that, I want to I talk about why this can be hard to grasp before we get into it, before I say what it is. Now, in the midst of hard times, we don't always look at how good God is. In the midst of hard times, we can look at how bad things are going for us or how bad the world can seem or, or even just how, how bad people are to me, right? That, that's an easy focus to have. It's, it's hard sometimes to find the good in the midst of a bad situation. And I want to tell you the story about this, this guy that is a pretty inspiring story for me. Now, many of us may know the uh, Christian artist, Toby Mac. Um, he's back, back in the day, if you grew up in church in the, the 80s and 90s like I did, he was a part of DC Talk. Um, I, I grew up listening to DC Talk. They went solo, and of the three DC Talk artists, when they went solo, he's the one that made it really, really big and is still doing stuff today. So Christian singer, hip-hop artist, um, I've got to see him in concert a couple times. I love that my kids love him as much as I do now. They love his concerts. It's always tons of fun. So he's been um, solo, a solo artist, since 2001. And in every one of his albums that he's put out since 2001, he has had his son Truett a part of the albums. It started off with Truett being a kid, and you'd hear him, it's really, really funny, it's, you know, like a little six-year-old voice going, boom, 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 just in the, in the microphone and stuff. It's so fun. But as a fan, over the years, we got to see Truett grow up and grow up in every CD. He had another, whether it was just a verse, eventually he got his own song, and he did a lot of fun stuff with his dad. And he followed his dad's footsteps and became a Christian artist, and he did his first concert and I remember uh, Toby Mac's uh, Facebook page and Instagram post saying how proud he was of his son, did his first show, and he can't wait to see what's going to happen from there. Well, tragedy hit Toby Mac when he was on a Europe tour just a, number, just a few years ago. His son Truett was 21 years old, and while Toby Mac was in Europe, he got a phone call that his son was found dead. His son was found dead. I don't remember if it was his apartment or a hotel room, but his son unexpectedly had passed away. Now, it would come out later and Toby Mac shares this at his shows now, that his son dabbled in Ill illegal substances. And it was the first time he had used it, and unfortunately it took his life. <clears throat> now, some, some of us who have been following Toby Mac know how close he was to his son and how much his son has been a part of his, his ministry and his, his music. And some of us wondered, 
what's going to happen with Toby Mac now? What's he going to do? Well, a few, just a couple months after, I think, his son passed away, he released a song called 21 Years. Now, in this song, if, uh, if you haven't heard it before, I would recommend going to YouTube and watching how he released it. It's a music video he did. And Bring the Tissue. It's an emotional song. But in this song, he talks about all of his emotions, his questions to God, his joy he had with the son, his anguish about what he's going through. It's a very, very emotional song. And after that song came out, the question started to rise, is Toby Mac going to retire now? The man's in his late 50s, I believe, maybe early 60s now at this point. And he still goes crazy on stage, but is this going to be the thing now where you say, hey, I think he's going to be done because this was so much of his world doing music with his son. Instead, another song was released. Now, this song just came out, I believe, last year, but hearing Toby Mac talk about it, it's a phenomenal story behind this song. The song is called The Goodness. And in this song, he said, I wrote this song the first thing I did after my son passed away. This is the song I wrote. And here are some lines in this song. Some of you may know it. It's going to be hard for me not to sing it as I say the lyrics here. It says, ain't no doubt about you. Everywhere that I go, you keep showing up, Lord. You make me want to shout it. Oh, you're the goodness in my life. And I'm going to tell you my truth. They may come, they may go. You keep showing up. Ain't no doubt about it. You are the goodness in my life. You guys know that song? If you listen to Caleb, it's on Caleb, or if you listen, follow Toby Mac, it's one of his more popular songs from his album that just came out. But I remember hearing that song and liking it at first, thinking like, this is really cool. And then you think of the story behind the song. When did he write this song, You Are the Goodness in My Life? Toby Mac wrote that song in the darkest point of his life. In the moment where his son just passed away, and one of the, one of the lines in the song he wrote about his song, he asked God, he said, why would you give him and take him away? Why would it suddenly end and not let it fade? So he, he details his emotions, and in the midst of those emotions, he chooses to write a song about how good God is. That's inspiring to me. That, is re that, that hits me hard. The biggest tragedy, and what is he focused on? How good God is. That's incredible, right? That's huge faith. That's, that's huge belief and trust in that God says who he is through the emotions, through the hard times. God is good through it all. I'm sure many of us can think about tragic things we've gone through in life, the hard times in life we've gone through. And then you kind of wonder, when I look back at that now, was I focused on God's goodness in the moment? I can look at it now and see how God got me through those things. But I wonder, in the moment, was I really looking at the fo focusing on the goodness of God through whatever tragedy it may be? It's hard. And I've shared before that, that I've had three brothers pass away in my lifetime. My first brother when he was two, and my second brother, uh, he was seven days, both of them when I was in the fourth grade. What I didn't share much about is uh, the toll that took on me at such a young age. Watching two of my brothers uh, get sick and pass away was hard. All the questions people talk about, you know, why does a good God allow bad things to happen? I, I was flooded with those questions. And when you're a fourth grader, they're hard to navigate. Now, I didn't lose a son like, like Toby Mack did, but I can relate to the, a tragic loss. I can relate to that pain and experiencing, again, that pain just a couple years ago when one of my older brothers, uh, Abraham, passed away. You, you wonder about God's goodness. And, and, and you, you, you deal with, someone asked me once when they also experienced tragedy, they said, Dustin, how did you get over the pain? And all I could say is you never really get over the pain. You just learn how to work through it. The, the, when, I, when I talk about, even now, like talking about my, my three brothers, it still stirs up emotions. It's, it still stirs up pain because that's my family, right? But you learn how to navigate through it and you learn how to let God work in those emotions and show you his goodness in the midst of it. But in, in that season, I remember when I was struggling. I remember when I struggled to experience God's goodness. I remember feeling lonely. I remember feeling isolating and dark. And for an extrovert who loves to be around people, that's a weird place to feel. 
It's a weird place to be. I, I didn't feel like I was experiencing God the way I used to. I felt like he was absent. But the truth is, Scripture reminds us over and over again that God is always good and God is always with you. So the promise today we're going to focus on is God is good. He promises to be good through the thick and the thin. He'll never leave or forsake you. He's working in all things, even the hardest things. He works together for his good. And I think that's a key thing right there. No matter what, let this resonate with you. No matter what, you can know that God is always good. God is always good. He is on your side. He's not against you. He wants the best for you. Many of us may know this line. If you grew up in church, you may know this. And just, just, fin- just humor me. Finish. I don't do this a lot, but, but finish this. God is good and all the time. Right? We know this, right? We, it, it's, a, it's a common saying amongst church, especially if you grew up in the church. You know this line. I, I'm, I went, went through a phase in church where that was something that was said and recited like every single Sunday. Everyone would say it. Now we say it, but do we believe it? Do we really in our core believe God is good all the time? And in the hard times, are we trusting on him? Is he good? What about when things aren't good? What about when life is hard? What about when I feel like he's the reason things are hard? What if I want to say, I'm going through this, God, and I don't believe you're good right now because you haven't brought me out of this yet? What do we do when we have those questions? And honestly, I believe those are fair questions. I think we've all had times where we can ask those questions. Where we've looked up and said, God, why? I remember when uh, at home when we've gone through hard times, we, we asked a lot of God questions when finances were hurting, when, when health was hurting. Um, I, I shared before about the, um, a cancer scare that we had with Stephanie when ultimately, if you weren't here for that story, it wasn't cancer, everything was benign. But, but the fear was there when the doctors had said, hey, we found something, we need, to, we need to remove it. The fear was there. And those questions of, God, why? Those happen. There are times and seasons where it's, it's nearly impossible to imagine things getting better. But maybe it's not much about much things getting better or easier or fixed. Maybe we're in those seasons to learn. Maybe we're in those seasons to see how good God is as we come out of those seasons. So it takes a, a shifting of your mindset, right? A way you look at the problem has to change. But we can see when we do that, we can fix our eyes on the goodness of God in those hard times. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that. If you hadn't highlighted that in your Bibles yet, or even on the Bible app, selected that and save it, man, save this verse. I love this. In all things, God worked for the good of those who love him. Doesn't say in some of the things. We know that in all things God is working. He is working and he is working hard. And God does not work just for the sake of being busy. I know people who like, like to be busy just for the sake of being busy. Like, I can't just not do something. I've got to do something. God doesn't stay busy just for the sake of being busy. He is working for our good, ultimately. It's not just busy work. It is good work. And that ultimately leads back to his glory. And it may be hard to believe at times, true, but, but what if God defines good a little differently than we do? What if God says, I'm doing this and it's good, and we don't quite understand God's definition of good? Kind of like how we talked about God blessing someone, and we we start comparing ourselves to those blessings, saying, well, God, you're blessing this person with all this. How come you're not blessing me? And we have to shift it, right? Say, God may not say, I may not be blessing you that way, but I'm blessing you in a different way. Blessings look different for different people. I believe the goodness of God sometimes looks different than what we may expect the goodness of God to look like. But we have to focus on him to see what he's doing through it. It may be hard to believe at times, but here in this verse, Paul uses a particular Greek word for our English translation, good. And in the Greek word, the word essentially means good whether it be seen to be good or not. 
So the Greek definition says that, good whether it is to be seen good or not. And let me give you an example of, of this. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with a relative of mine who is, is far from God. A relative of mine doesn't believe, he believes the Bible is a book of morals. He believes there is a God somewhere, but not necessarily the God of the Bible. And uh, so, so he has his own thoughts on, on Scripture. And he'll, he'll tell me, you can't argue with the, the morality of the Bible. Those are good morals. But at the same time, someone got swallowed by a fish and puked out? No, 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 I don't believe that. And I remember asking him, I said, do you believe that you know, Jesus turned water into wine? He goes, yeah, I believe that happened. I said, like, but you draw your line at a fish. All right, I mean, this, this you've got to resonate this with me, man. Come on. But, but we, we've talked. We talk about uh, Jesus, the Bible, and God, and, but I tell you, every time I talk to this person about the Bible, you know how I'm responded to with? What I'm responded with is profanity, a whole lot of profanity, insults on the Bible. I can barely get two or three words in on an hour-long conversation because a lot of it turns into him ranting on what he doesn't like about the Bible, how this is impossible, how this is bad, how Christianity has just messed up the world, things along those lines. It can get frustrating, but I love this person. And I remember talking to Stephanie one day going, are these even good conversations I'm having? I feel like when, when we talk, it's just, let, let me bash on Dustin in the Bible time. Is this even good? But I want so badly for him to know Jesus, so badly for him to come to Christ. So conversation, this conversations, many conversations over the years, but just last year, we had more deep conversations. And I know that every time my phone rang and he was calling me, I had to get ready to hear more language than I did when I was listening to Eminem back in middle school and high school. I knew it was going to happen. All the profanity was going to come. But something amazing happened last year. This person watched me online. This person told me that they, they really appreciated what I was saying in front of church, what I, how I would share some stories about my life in front of the church. He said, I've never known a pastor of any church I've seen be open about their own lives and struggles. Let's talk more about this Jesus. It's like, what? Okay. Then I said I was going to read the Bible in a year. Do you want to read it with me? And he it was really quickly, no. He's like, nope, nope, don't want to read it in a year. But if you recap what you read every day, I'll read it. So every day for a year, I would text him a brief recap of what I read for the Bible that day. Every day I sent him a text. And there was a day that I missed. He was quick to send me, where's the recap? I was like, this is good. This is good. Then I come to find out that he was reading, not the Bible every day, but he was reading my recaps in his carpool on the, day, on the way to work, Monday through Friday. You see, what I was looking at is hard conversations or, God, I can't see the good in this. I then, a year later, got to see how God was working in his life. Now, he still has not given his life to Christ, but I have more hope today than I did for years because of the conversations we're having now. And I truly believe He's pursuing, and he doesn't even really know he's pursuing. And it's, it's interesting how, how this, how to see how his view and language has shifted. And then one of our final conversations, after I, I gave him the final recap of the last chapter of Revelation, I said, here's what it says. He texted me back. He said, I really can't believe you did this every day for the year. His view shifted. His language shifted. And it was really, really hard to get to that point, but it is so good to see what God's doing in his life now, even though he doesn't even recognize it yet. And that's what I mean by you may not see the goodness in times. You may look at something and go, I can't see what's happening right now, but never doubt that God is working in all things for his goodness. Sometimes people are hard. We have a phrase sometimes in ministry. We say, man, sometimes people are just going to people, right? And I think you can probably think of someone who said, yep, this person says this, this person does that. Um, someone asked me, you know, what's your favorite thing in ministry? I said, I get to work with people. What's the hardest thing in ministry? I get to work with people, right? 
There's good and there's bad. People, people let you down, but never mistake that in all those things and all the times where maybe you've let someone down or someone's let you down or it's hard, God is working in those moments and God is good. All the time he is good. I'm praying for God to do whatever it takes to get this person to the point of salvation. But what this may mean that is in the process of this talk with him, there's gonna be hard things. There's gonna be, be temporary hardships. There's gonna be maybe even emotional pain. But regardless of what that looks like, the important thing is that salvation, I believe, is going to happen. Salvation belongs to God, and I believe it's going to come to this person. And ultimately, God will get the glory. It's not, it's not my good works that do it. It's because God is working in these conversations that he gets the glory for that salvation. It's sometimes hard to see, but let's talk about that, that promise. God's promise to work for good. God's promise to be good in all things. And I think there's three areas that we can majorly focus on in our lives where we can see God's goodness even in the hard times. And the first is our families, right? The, the church F word, family. In our families, I think this is a starting place for a lot of us. We care deeply about our families, right? We got, we got spouses and kids, extended families. Some you may say, I love more than the others. Everyone says they don't have a favorite kid. I bet you do. You really do have a favorite kid. But, you know, we, we have families. Aurora thinks it's her. I, you can think of that, Aurora. It's good. But it pains us sometimes when, when family hurts us or we see family members going through hardship or pain. It can be a painful thing to experience or even be a part of. But you've got to continue to believe that it, the truth that God is wasting nothing in your family, that God is working and doing everything and all things in your family. You may be familiar with the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, talk about family, just dysfunctional family across the board, right? You've got parents who, uh, who have favorite kids. You've got a younger kid who doesn't have to do the jobs of his older brothers. The older brothers want to kill him. They mug him. They throw him in a hole. They sell him to be a slave. And then they lie and say he was eaten and torn apart by an animal. I mean, this is a dysfunctional family. Hardships, right? He is sold into slavery. He spends time in prison. But eventually, he moves up the ranks of power in Egypt. And the story concludes with a huge famine in the land. But Joseph has found so much favor with God. And God has worked through him and the people that have been his owners that Joseph is now second in charge of Egypt. And guess who has to come to him asking for food? The same brothers who tried to kill him. The same ones who sold him away and said that he was dead. And the story culminates in this reunion between family members. But how does Joseph react when he sees his family? He does mess with them a little bit. He does play with their heads a little bit, but he doesn't do anything out of spite or anger. What he does ultimately is he weeps because he's so happy to see his brothers. He brings them home. He, he says, bring your family here. Here's more food than you paid for. He takes care of his family. What began with betrayal ended with grace, forgiveness, and love. It's a phenomenal story. Here's what the text says in Genesis 50, 19, and 20. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Even Joseph's own family, they intended evil for Joseph. They did things intentionally to hurt him, but Joseph recognized that nonetheless, God was going to use all those things for the goodness of not just his family, but the people in all of Egypt. Their, their deed, because of what they did, God worked that to prosper the whole land. That's phenomenal. That is a working God working in the midst of hard things, and that is a good God showing how he is in charge. And here's the reality. There will be people, whether they're part of your family or not, who will seek to orchestrate evil things against you, your family, people you care about. But the Bible promises that even elsewhere in those things, if you're following God, you will be hated, but in those moments, he is still working, and he is still good through all those moments. You will face persecution 
You'll face punishment. You will face pain in your walk with Jesus, but never lose sight that in those moments, he's doing something big and he's doing something good and he will never, ever let you down. Matthew 10, 22 says this, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This takes a mind shift, right? This, this, a lot, this takes us to think um, of a victim mentality to a victor mentality. Here I am being hurt and abused, and this is hard, but I'm going to be victorious because God is working through this, and I'm going to become a better person, and his glory will be seen, not my glory. God is good, even when you experience the hardship or heartache. And maybe that's the exact season you're in right now. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, this is hard right now. It's hard to see the goodness of God right now because things just really, really stink. I want to encourage you, though, stand strong. Have faith, be firm in those moments because guess what? God will not falter. He will not move away and he will not let you down. <clears throat> God's in the midst of that. So God's working in your families and also know that God's working in your jobs. God absolutely is working in your jobs. In, in a room like this, we have so many career paths represented. I mean, we, we, have, we have people in the military, we have teachers, we have, uh, we have pilots, we have, we have people that work in retail, we have people that work in restaurants, we have some retired people, we have, uh, just, I mean, we can run the gamut of what do people do, it's represented in this church. There is a lot of people that do amazing things. So many people that maybe work nine to five, or maybe you work midnight to midnight, you don't get time off. Uh, you know, we, everyone's schedules are different, right? Maybe you're in an office setting. Maybe you're not in an office setting. Some people travel all around the world. But regardless of what your career is, the reality is the same for all of us. There are other people involved in your job, right? There are other people. You, you work in some way, shape, or form. You communicate or do something with people. Whether you're talking to the face of another business, whatever it is, people are involved. And guess what happens when you work with people who are broken? We can break each other, right? People hurt each other. We have other people involved, which means we've got an amazing opportunity, though. We've got an amazing opportunity because there's people to share God with people. Now, I'm not telling you to be that weirdo that no one wants to talk to. But I am saying that in the way that you represent yourself, in the way that you talk to people, and maybe the, those opportunities do come up where you have an opportunity to share, we have a phenomenal opportunity, no matter what your job is, to be a light for Jesus everywhere you go. We can show people how God is good by the way we interact. We have an opportunity to share God's goodness with those right next to you or those on the Zoom phone call or whatever it is, however you're communicating. We can show the goodness of God. However, it also means that when you open this up, you know what you're opening yourself up to. You're opening yourself up to being treated poorly. You're opening yourself up to criticism. You're opening yourself up to a relationship that may have a, a fracture in it because of the way people perceive Christianity or church, right? You're also opening yourself up to see some phenomenal things. You're opening yourself up to see God work in somebody's life and see how God can use you to reach somebody that maybe you thought this person has no chance, but what we believe in Scripture is that Jesus came and died for all, right? That person at work that drives you nuts, Jesus is there for them too. And sometimes at work, man, people hurt you and people scar you. I remember my very first ministry position as a children's pastor. It was not at uh, Creekside where I spent most of my years. It was at another church also called Creekside, but not affiliated with Creekside. I just happened to work at two Creeksides. This one was in Alamo, right out of college. I was 21 years old. Children's pastor, and I was loving it. I was there for just a little over two and a half years when all of a sudden a couple things started shifting with me and the lead pastor. We started butting heads on a lot of stuff. Things weren't going well. Every time I met with them, I would feel demoralized and beaten, defeated. And I actually made a, a decision that it wasn't a rash decision. It was a very conversation Stephanie and I had a lot. I decided I was going to quit ministry. 
I said, I got to get out of this church. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And then when I met with the pastor and talked to him about, I'm feeling like this is what I need to do, his reply well, this was not Pastor Terry. Anyone thinking Terry, this is not him. But this pastor's reply was, I never wanted to hire you in the first place. That's quite a blow. That, 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 that hurt. That, that hit deep. I remember, and I remember thinking in that moment, I thought I was doing what God wanted for me. I thought I was in ministry because God called me to ministry. And now I'm here at my first church job and the pastor says, I never wanted to hire you? What am I even supposed to do with this right now? And start, you start questioning what, what God, am I even in the right place? I was getting shot down with what I put my heart and soul into. Was ministry for me? I, I, I was meant to be a pastor, I thought, but attempt number one is crash and burn. I am so glad that we get multiple tries in life to do something. I'm so glad that God gives us multiple chances to do things. And if you fail something once, doesn't mean you're a failure, just means you're human, right? And God works with us, humans, all the time. I still had to believe that God was not going to waste everything. God was not going to waste anything. And even in this confusing situation that weighed heavily on me, sometimes we just need someone to say, get up, you can do this. Get up. I, I know what you can do, and I want, you, I want you to go do this instead. For me, that was Pastor Terry. I remember calling him in the midst of all this, and he said, I've known you since you were six years old. I've known you since you were doing all these things. I want you to come work for me. And I worked for him, and that sparred on some incredibly... Good, hard, difficult, encouraging years that led me to where I am today. Because I needed someone to tell me God is good and he's still working through this situation. Now, sometimes you need a speaker to say that. Get back up and keep going. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of truth in that. But I love that the Bible says this to the Israelites all the time. We see God saying, I'm wasting nothing. And he had to remind them what they have gone through to see where they are going to that day. Deuteronomy 5.15 says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, Jesus, or God had to tell them, he was saying, remember where you were, because they were going through hard times still. He said, but remember, look at where you are now. Never forget that I was there, and I'm still working. So times will get hard, but remember, you've seen me in the hard times, so you can trust I will be there going forward because I am good, and I am always with you. I wonder if the key to continuing to move forward in a season of uncertainty is simply remembering that, though, what God has done for us in the past. Remember the times where, where he's shown up when we didn't expect it, or where he showed up when we weren't even looking for him, but all of a sudden we see that he's there. Remember how faithful he was in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of a foreclosure, in the middle of financial difficulty, in the middle of your grief. Remember how God met you there, and that's when we can hold on to those and say, we do serve a good God. We serve a God so good that I was at my breaking point, and he was still right there holding me through it all. Remember the last time your role in your job didn't quite work out, and God provided an open door. Remember the last time something didn't work out, maybe relationally with, with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or in your marriage, but God showed up, and you trusted in him, and things worked out for the best. Never, never forget to see where God is good in the midst of all the struggles. If, if we're simply willing to believe that God will truly waste nothing, then there's nothing that can hold us back from accomplishing his plans and purposes for us here on earth. If we truly believe that, there's nothing he's going to waste. He will throw nothing out. Then there is nothing that can stop us from believing he's going to see through his promise, right? He's going to see us through his goodness, his glory, and what he's called for us while we're here. Nothing can derail that. And lastly today, I want to talk about the final area where I believe we can see the goodness of God in the midst of good and bad times, and that's here in our church. Not just our church, but in churches in general. 
Now, because of what we do when we come here to church, right, just, just like this morning, we, we talk about the goodness of God. We come and we celebrate good things. Um, we don't often talk about hard things. And it's hard sometimes to connect one-on-one in a church setting just because there's, you know, limited time together, right? That's why small groups and outside connections are so important. But we can see the goodness of God when we look through the lifespan and things of our church and what he's done here. Here's the reality. Post-COVID, more churches have closed than have opened. More pastors have quit and or retired than have become licensed pastors in open churches. That is a post-COVID truth. What have we seen here post-COVID? We have seen some good times and some rough times. We've seen times where finances have been abounding. We've seen times where finances have been, have been struggling. Money is there and resources are there, but we've seen the highs and lows. We've seen God work, and at times we've wondered, God, what are you doing? But I believe that when we look through all of this, all this stuff, when we see the, the waves of what a church is going through, we can see God's consistent goodness through it all if we look for it. I'll tell you, for, for a church our size, for a church our size, it is honestly a work of God working through you guys, working through this community, that we are still doing what we're doing today. That is a testament to the goodness of God. Some people have been at this church for many, many years, and they've seen this church go from a starting group in a school to a, a church of 100 and, 170, down to a church of 40, now to where we are now. We've seen the roller coaster of a church. But through that all, you can look at God's truth, promising that he's good, he is there, he's consistent, he's faithful, and we are still impacting the community to this day. And that is a testament of what God is doing in our church, guys. It gets me excited to see what God's doing in our church. And we'll talk more about that at the business meeting, what we're doing and some opportunities that have happened where God gets to use our church to minister to some communities around us in a way that they have specifically asked for. And that is going to, I said specifically, specifically asked for. And that's going to be really, really cool in this upcoming season to really partner with our community and give them what they're looking for in a church. You see, not just in regards to church, but in different areas of life we discussed today, I believe that if we're not focusing on the goodness of God, we're going to be focusing on the negative things, and that is not what God wants us to look at. There's someone else, we talked about a lot at VBS, the, the battle of the mind. There is another thing out there. Satan, he's out there. He didn't want you to look at the goodness of God. He wants you to look at the struggles. He wants you to look at the hard times, the what you can't do instead of what you can do. And I'll tell you, a church that is doing good things, a church that is being able to start reaching its community, I guarantee you, guarantee you, and this actually, I, I say this happily, I think the devil's got us in his eyesights. That's a good thing, because we get to show him how much bigger our God is. We get to show him that he already lost, that God already won, and he's not done with us. He is not done with us yet. Here's a promise Jesus makes about the devil. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But he says, let's focus back on that first part. Steal, kill, and destroy. This, this is the character of the devil, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What better place for him to try to do that than right here in God's house, right? This is where we want to make an impact. We want to start here and go out into our community. If there's people that aren't serving God, I truly believe the devil's not so much as focused with them because they're not trying to make an impact. If we focus on the goodness of God and we try to share the goodness of God with those houses and those houses and the houses across the street, guess who wants us to stop? The devil's going to want us to stop, which is more motivation for us to never quit. We get to keep going because God has already won. He wants to bring us down. I, I, I would put everything I have on the line to guarantee you that we've got the devil worried because of what we're doing. Do you think he rejoiced that we had 120 kids singing in here every day last week? 
The, the fact that like what Adam shared, when we walked in and we're getting things ready, you know, the, the kids are still coming in, and all of a sudden the room it starts erupting with the theme song without the lyrics and words on the screen. The kids are just belting out the top of their lungs. It was an emotional moment, and I guarantee you the devil was freaked out at that moment. There's an army getting raised up of preschoolers through fifth graders who were singing. Yeah, we had the fifth graders jumping up and down and singing. It was awesome. We've got him worried. But I love that we have him worried. Jesus is so much stronger. Jesus makes this promise in that verse. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Man, the promise of God is goodness that includes an abundant life. That's what God has for us in our home, in our churches, in our jobs. God has a patent on an abundant life. And I love what Ephesians 3.20 says. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That is the promise of a good God right there. Never doubt what he is doing, what he can do, and what he will do in our families, personally, in our jobs, and in this church. I can invite you all to stand and have the worship team come back up here today. With this in mind, invite God into your life. Invite, invite him to open up your eyes to see the good things that are happening, to, to show his goodness in your life, even when it's hard to see. Open up your minds to it. The same God who used all the adversity in Joseph's life, he used that for the good of Joseph. He'll use that goodness for all of his people. Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me, God intended it for good. The same God who wrote that talked to his people who were being enslaved. Babylon had come in, taken everyone captive. They were talking about rebelling. And Jeremiah had to tell them, hey, guys, we're here because of our actions. But there's a promise in the midst of this. If we're obedient to God in this time of captivity, here's a promise. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He said that to people in captivity. They were ransacked, destroyed, captive. And God says, I've got plans. Trust me, follow me. There are plans that are good through this. This is the God we worship today. We ask him to come and fill our homes, our church, our jobs with his goodness. For those in the room who are experiencing a season of adversity and struggle, pray for you to be strengthened and encouraged. Pray for you never to give up in the midst of it. Fight strong because know that God is fighting for you and he's got a good plan. When we come to that conclusion that God is working for our good and glory, know that he won't waste anything in your life. The best parts of your life are not wasted. The worst parts of your life, those are not wasted. Those are all part of God's story working in your life. And God's story is good. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you are good in all things. And I thank you that your goodness can be seen. All things work together for, the glory, for your glory and your goodness, God. And I pray that for anyone here who's struggling right now, anyone here who may be at a point where they're saying, I can't see that goodness. I can't feel that goodness. I'm I'm in the midst of it and I feel like quitting. God, I pray you give them strength to not quit. I pray that, that you allow us to shift our eyes to see where you are, to see who you are, God, and to see that you are good in the midst of it all. I pray that whatever those struggles may be, God, that you, you, you allow people to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You see the, the resolution and steps to get towards that desired outcome that you have laid out. God, and that we're able to rest and rejoice and live in your good and loving arms. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.